welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. And we want to just take a moment at the very top of this episode to thank each and every listener who has chosen to tune in today. We are always so glad to have you with us, and we hope this episode finds you well. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? My thorn this week has been a scratchy throat. Hopefully it doesn't Mm. come out in the episode, but I think my seasonal allergies have finally surfaced. Finally, meaning like, I not that, yay, they're here, but (laughs) I I was hoping that they maybe wouldn't show up, (laughs) but they've begun to manifest in a bit of a a sore throat. So thankfully I'm not sneezing up a storm as I imagine some of you may be doing. I'm very sorry for any of our listeners who have it harder than I do, but alas, that has been my thorn. Um, And my rose, I think I may actually have to double dip from last week. So to be (laughs) fair, last week it was anticipatory and this week it's in the rear view mirror. So that was getting to see an off-Broadway performance of Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely phenomenal. So wonderful. I think I... I wept through the whole first opening scenes and wow. I, I just, I cried a lot. It was just wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> I even wrote about it on my new Substack. Oh. Or, and, and for those who are unfamiliar with Substack, it's kind of like a blog and I've decided it's time for me to get what I've been learning about beauty out into the world for the people. And this is how I've decided to go about doing that. So if any listeners want to glean from my Lamez reflections <laughs> or want to read about beauty, theology, and more, then you can hop on over to my Substack. And I think we could provide a link about that uh, in the show notes. Exciting. That sounds amazing. Les Miserables will do that to you. Oh, yeah. Just immediately weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am the same way. Um, my thorn this week was having a difficult time finding the time to sit down and read. And so I mentioned this a while ago, but I'm, I'm back at school, um, pursuing a degree in psychology slash counseling. And so I've been doing so much reading for that. And I am, I love reading. I'm a total reader. And yet, because I've been spending so much time doing that, it's been a little bit hard to sit down and really enjoy reading like I used to. And, um, another thing that's been a little bit thorny is that I normally try to read before I go to bed. And so, um, that's, that's been my kind of rhythm for the last, I don't know how long. And because I've been so tired from reading all day, I basically can't even get a page in (laughs) (laughs) and I keep falling asleep. (laughs) 
And so that's been my my thorn is um, fighting to stay awake to read and dropping my phone, which that's, I, I read on my Kindle on my phone and dropping my phone on my face about 40 times until I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, just, I'll submit to this Maybe and go to sleep. To sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's been a little bit thorny, but as for my rose this week, I got to, it's also book themed. So funny. I got to explore a fun bookstore that is just a 10 minute drive from my apartment. And this is just one of my absolute favorite activities this is a, a Kelia activity. If you ever <laughs> want to take a Kelia out, take her to a bookstore and get her a coffee along the way. I love that. And even if I don't buy anything, just going to a bookstore and browsing is just so relaxing and so fun to me. And this bookstore specifically had these two little cats that I am assuming belong to the owner. And they're just absolutely adorable. And so it is definitely a bookstore that I will be returning to. And it's just been fun to find my new spots, you know, mm-hmm. my new hangouts in, um, in my new little home here yeah. is in it Los Angeles. Used and new books or just new? Um, I'm pretty sure it's all used. It's cool. the, everything in there is pretty old. In fact, as I looked around, I found all of these children's books from like the 1920s. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was very fun. Wow. And so Anyone that comes here, I hope they discover it. And yeah. (laughs) All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. I know I ask this every time, but it really, really helps to boost the podcast, get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And it also just lets us know that you are appreciating what we're doing. And make sure to share with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right. So let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of modesty culture. Dear Wallflower, I became a Christian a couple of years ago, so it's safe to say that there's a lot in the Christian culture that I am not familiar with. One of the things I'm learning more about is modesty. I guess I'm trying to understand what modesty really is and what it's not. I really want to honor God with my body and how I dress, but I also wonder if there's a line when modesty culture can go too far and make us feel bad when we don't need to. How do I know when I'm showing too much skin and being immodest? Should I stay away from a certain type of clothing? How do I dress in a way that both honors God, but also lets me explore my sense of style without crossing the line? Signed, hoping to mix faith and fashion. All right, Jessica. So what are your thoughts for our letter today? I am so grateful for our writer's willingness to submit this question. Modesty can feel a bit taboo, especially when so many people who have been lashing out against the purity culture in which they were raised, um, you know, are kind of taking up the airways. And obviously for a writer who did not grow up in that subculture, I appreciate that she is seeking perspective and clarity. You know, what she's asking, what is modesty really? And how does she honor God while still exploring her feminine style? Such great questions. I will also say that I am well aware both of how incendiary this topic can be 
and how much more could be said than what we have time for here today. Mm. I feel like I almost need to write a book in response to this question, both (laughs) to say all the things and then to qualify all the things. So (laughs) that caveat given, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, As with many things, modesty is a topic which requires careful nuance. Far too often we find heated opinions at either extreme, you know, super strict boundaries and rules or anything goes. As with most things that require careful thought and nuance, I think we can, I think we can, and frankly need to strike a careful balance somewhere in the middle. To get us started, what are some things that we can affirm or say with confidence? One, I think we can affirm that it's not women's job to keep men from lusting. It's hmm. an important clarification. Like that's not our our job or our role to like control their thoughts. That's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. However, my second point here is that we have the Christian obligation or the command to love one another. So how we dress must be motivated by love for our fellow Christ followers brothers and sisters. I'm just, I'm distracted by immodest clothing too. Okay. So not for the same reasons (laughs) as men, but I think it's fair to include fellow women in our seeking to love others in this matter. I think modesty culture may have gone too far in making women feel like they are to blame if men stumble. And I'm going to be frank. It may be a woman's fault in part, If she carelessly flaunts her cleavage, her bare back, her thighs, you name it. She is not in control of a man's thought life, but she can control what she puts on display. So this is a tricky subject to define clear boundaries around, and I I don't want to make women feel like they are solely responsible, but I also don't want to entirely let women off the hook. What Mm -hmm. we wear can have an immense impact upon those around us. And I think it's healthy to work toward a careful, nuanced approach to reckoning with how we live this out in practice. Next, I want to work toward answering our writer's question about what modesty is and what it's not. First, I would say that modesty is a way of both dressing and carrying oneself that exudes decorum and garners respect from others. And I would add that it also fosters self-respect. On the other hand, modesty is not a strict set of rules to be followed. It is not meant to force women to relinquish a sense of style. Obviously, these minimal clarifications leave a lot of room for a gray middle. Mm -hmm. So how can we make that a little bit less murky? First, Let's talk about motives. Ask yourself these questions. Why do you dress the way you do? Mm -hmm. And why do you want to dress the way you want to? Be honest with yourself. What motivates what you do or don't put on in the morning? Many of us in one way or another dress for attention of some sort. Why? You know, Mm -hmm. what kind of attention are we seeking? Is this godly? Or is it selfish, vacuous, worldly? Also consider, why do you want to wear a certain style? Even if it's just because, quote, everyone's doing it and you want to fit in, it's helpful to remember that Christians are not necessarily meant to fit in. 
We (laughs) are meant to shine like lights, to be givers of light and creators of beauty and goodness in the world. That's a really good point. We're not meant to fit in necessarily. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be counter to whatever cultural debt, like culture can do some wonderful things that are great for us to follow at the same time, just because, um, you know, yeah. So this idea of like, you you can (laughs) fit in, in certain ways, maybe, but Mm -hmm. when we're called to be counter to the culture, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be afraid of doing that. And, you know, I wanted to make sure to address this so people will bring stuff like this up, but uh, some will appeal to scripture, making sweeping claims against anything decorous, you know, or or flashy or whatever in, in female dress. So for instance, first Peter three, three through four says your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Mm-hmm. Now this passage is true, but it has also been misused, right? It's not forbidding the styling of your hair or the wearing of jewelry or of nice clothing. Rather, it is pointing us to see where true beauty lies. Someone may be adorned outwardly in a way that is pleasing, but her character, her soul, may be black as pitch. The point is not to seek your worth or value from external adornment. It doesn't mean that we can't look nice, though, (laughs) or or that we shouldn't care, care about style. Yeah. So in other words, modesty says... I'm worth it. I'm enough. I don't need to dress like X to think I'm beautiful or attract attention. Modesty dresses oneself in a dignified manner from a place of knowing one's true worth. Conversely, immodesty says, I need all eyes on me. If I dress like X, then more people will notice me and think I'm worth pursuing, et cetera, fill in the blank. Immodesty can also simply be selfish and thoughtless not concerned about others and what their choices um, may do in subjecting others to having to view or, you know, what others have to have to view when they see them. I also want to add here that modesty is not just about clothing. Too often we overlook this part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. A woman may carry herself in an immodest way. This can include how she walks, how she talks, the looks that she makes, Mm -hmm. Um, et cetera. And it is important for us to be honest about how our mm-hmm. motives can cause us to behave. Yeah. And as important as it is, to, I think, to bring this factor into the conversation, I do still want to affirm that modesty still has a lot to do with clothing. Thus, we can't only attend to behavior and say anything goes with clothing. We, we need to bring both into the conversation. I want to get into some brass tax advice and respond to the more practical um, aspects of our writer's questions. So are there lines that we can set or boundaries that we shouldn't cross? I think I can make a qualified yes in the sense that there are some general principles that we can keep in mind, at least from my perspective. I know there might be some that disagree with me. Um, It may not seem fair, but I think modesty can also differ between body types and sizes. What may be modest for me may not be modest for another woman or vice versa. We simply cannot all wear the exact same things in flattering ways that honor and respect our bodies and others who see us. 
My general rule of thumb is to consider what a piece of clothing could be saying, quote, saying to a man. Your girlfriends might think your super short dress is cute, but I doubt that is what the men who see it, you in it are thinking. Um, As women, we cannot understand what it is like to be in a man's head. And it can be all too easy to either assume something immodest is no big deal, or even just to think that all men are just perverts. Like both of these thoughts are assumptions that are wrong. And I think they're unfair. Hmm. Um, If you have never heard an honorable Christian man speak his concerns about modesty, I'd encourage you in in a safe setting with the right individuals present to ask, for instance, ask, ask a trusted Christian man, you know, what do certain styles or cuts of clothing say to them? What do those things communicate? I think without that perspective, it's hard to understand um, how Mm. our choices affect others. And again, to get, try to get a little, a little bit more practical here. Um, when you go to get dressed each morning or consider purchasing or thrifting new pieces, consider what is revealed and how much are your bra straps hanging out is nearly your entire back revealed. How much of your thigh is on display? And I realize this is getting dicey really quickly, but let's be honest. There is a huge difference between a dress that hits just above the knee and one that hardly even covers your panties, okay? Um, A simple solution to this, aside from saying no to the biggest revealers, is that you have the option to layer appropriately. So super short dresses can be worn as long shirts or tunics with a pair of jeans or slacks. Blouses made of sheer material can be layered over suitable tank or tee. Tops revealing bra straps can be worn underneath something like a sweater or a cardigan or a denim jacket. Also consider tightness of clothing. So, um, you know, choose, choose your size. It might just be that you don't have to say no to a certain style, but just getting the right size is a big deal. You know, when you put something on, what lines are shown? Can you see your underwear lines or your bra straps or things that are, are causing men to see that and think about what's underneath it. Um, And also if it basically looks like your body is painted (laughs) rather than having clothes on um, it's, it's obviously too tight. So to avoid, you know, I want to kind of switch gears here and and avoid getting too deep into the weeds of seeming rules and boundaries at risk of getting distracted from the main point. So I want to be able to wrap up here and close by making some statements in praise of modesty. I think that modesty ought to be motivated by love of others, honoring God, as our writer said, and also self-respect. So again, here, I I am going to be blunt. Women get get worked up about men objectifying them, but I think we need to ask ourselves honestly, what are we doing to promote the respect that we so desire? You know, flaunting our bodies is not an act of liberation. It's not a declaration of our freedom. I think that an anything goes mentality actually disrespects our bodies. Hmm. At the same time, we have the freedom to express our sense of style. Modesty doesn't have to be frumpy. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's what you think, then we need to get some more creative ideas out there. You know, it can be tasteful. It can be refined. It can be beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think that tastefully clothing ourselves and carrying ourselves in a manner that calls for respect um, and which exudes what we might call decorum 
is perhaps the best path forward. And again, this is going to be fraught with nuance and complexity. It's not going to be easy. Things are always easy with really clear-cut rules, but I think it's just not that easy of a path to walk. We have to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think this kind of approach to modesty, it enables us to love others, to honor God and foster um, self-respect without needlessly restricting us from developing a sense of style. And if I could just quickly speak from my own experience for a moment, I do want to add that by dressing in a way that respects yourself and garners others' respect and is loving toward all who see you, you may actually just attract the right kind of man. Um, And I realize that our writer didn't share what her relationship status is, but if she is single, this is just kind of a little last bonus point for her. Um, One thing that stood out to my husband about me when we first met was my modesty in dress and the decorum that communicated to to him. Hmm. So I stood out from the average woman that he typically saw around him because of how I carried myself. And that included the way that I dressed, but, you know, I wasn't you know, covering every inch of skin, et cetera. You know, it was, it was tastefully dressed and not over, over revealing or overly tight, et cetera. So anyway, all this to sum up in the end, I, I encourage our writer hoping to mix faith and fashion to dress in a way that cares for and respects her body and garners the respect of others. You know, it's so interesting because you you definitely, I think, grew up a little bit more with modesty culture being in your background. And I certainly did not. So it's so interesting to hear your thoughts on it coming from um, years of, of uh, experiencing this full, firsthand. Mm-hmm. First, let me say, I'm really glad that we are talking about this today. And this question, I think, is really, really important for young women, especially for um, young women of faith who are interacting with this issue. So, as I said, similarly to our writer, I did not grow up in the Christian world. I did not have the idea of modesty introduced to me as a young teen. Um, So it was really interesting for me when I became a Christian in my early 20s to be introduced to you know, all of these ideas that were, for lack of a better word, sensitive. Hmm. I have heard a lot of stories from women who grew up in the church about how when they were younger, um, they were affected detrimentally by modesty culture. And so as I started to learn more about this new faith that I was walking into, um, I wanted to know what is modesty? Cause I feel like I hear a lot of different things. I, for people coming into the Christian faith, modesty can be presented as, you know, um, never wear leggings or don't wear tank tops or don't show more than X amount of skin or this area of skin or anything like that. And if I'm honest, I, I think these kinds of hard and fast rules can be incredibly damaging for young women and they can make them feel like they are just a body Hmm. or even just a collection of body parts. And they can be, they, they can end up feeling ashamed for having a female body and a form and curves, which by the way, God created. 
Hmm. So this presentation and understanding of modesty can make women feel like they are mere sexual objects. I think that's just so detrimental. I just can't imagine having that placed upon my shoulders as a, you know, a 13 year old. Hmm. And so as I tried to understand, okay, what is modesty then in the biblical sense, in the sense that God is trying to get us to understand I was surprised to find that in the Bible, modesty is much less about how much or what kind of clothing a woman is wearing. And it's just so much more about a heart position. And I think this falls in line with everything that scripture talks about. While man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart, right? God is heart focused more than he is outwardly focused. And um, a great quote of C.S. Lewis's that always comes to mind when I think about modesty and what that means. Um, This is from Mere Christianity, and it says, a girl in the Pacific Islands wearing hardly any clothes and a Victorian lady completely covered in clothes might both be equally modest or proper or decent according to the standards of their own societies. And both, for all we could tell by their dress, might be equally chaste or equally unchaste, end quote. So, of course, I'm not advocating that we all go around wearing hardly any clothes or anything like that. But what I'm trying to get at with this quote is that this is something that I have tried to implement in my own life as I've grown in my faith and tried to understand what it means to be modest in the biblical sense. Um, So rather than having this arbitrary line that says, you can show this percentage of skin, but not this percentage of skin or only these areas of your body, which I just think that having these rules can very quickly morph into moralism, which can in turn cause us to judge others very, very harshly. Um, Instead, I check my heart when I'm putting a piece of clothing on. So am I looking for attention? Am I looking for validation from others? Or, you know, um, if you're single, am I trying to get men's attention and what kind of attention am I trying to get from men? So ultimately I think it's much less, let it's much less about the actual article of clothing that you are wearing and more about why you're wearing it. I think Modesty culture can easily get caught up in the what and not the why. So, you know, one thing I really loved about becoming a Christian and learning how to intelligently interact with my faith is that I found that it wasn't just this list of um, rules that I was supposed to check off. It was more about finding freedom in God's hope for us and desires for us and, and how he wants us to live. Mm-hmm. So, yes, being a, becoming a Christian, as our writer is finding, does cause you to reassess certain behaviors or habits or practices. But God desires to change hearts, not to force us to behave or check off a list of rules. And so ultimately, this all comes back to modesty being a heart position. So, I would say to our writer today, as you consider what you want to put on, what you already have, what you're shopping for, 
think about what it means to, and, and you're thinking about what it means to honor God. And what you shouldn't ever do is feel ashamed um, for having a female body <laughs> and all that is entailed with that, all of the curves, the natural curves that we have because we are women. Um, women are just so much more than a collection of body parts. So please just remember that and take that to heart. My advice to you as you're getting dressed and going shopping in the future is ask yourself what the intention is behind your clothes. If it's to look beautiful and complement your unique shape and feel elegant, then wear that outfit with freedom and joy. But if it's to satiate something in your soul that needs to be validated or to seek attention or to be in competition with others, then I think that's when it becomes an issue. So I'll just wrap all of this up by saying that I wish, or I hope, I don't wish, I hope <laughs> we were able to offer a writer and anyone listening um, in who has had maybe the same question on their heart lately, that we were able to offer some way forward and some ideas to consider as a, as a move forward in their faith. All right, so it's time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy to be alive. And everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I'm going to suggest something that I was actually sipping on while we were recording, <laughs> which is uh, Roybus or Redbush, some people call it. It's yes. commonly referred to as a tea, but it's actually an herbal infusion from South Africa. And it's caffeine-free for anybody who cares about that or needs that. And um, I feel like it tastes fairly similar to black tea, which is one reason I really enjoy it because I'm a tea person. Um I believe it has, at least it tastes like it to me, it has far less tannin than tea does. So I've actually been like craving it when I have a sore throat because it feels really soothing. Mm. I think, I think tea, I mean, tea can feel because the warming is still really lovely, but I think there's just something about like the smoothness of rooibos that really um, kind of soothes my throat. So if you happen to have a sore throat or if you just want some rooibos, give that a go. Um, you can find it pre-bagged in various places as well as loose. I buy mine um, loose because I drink a lot of tea <laughs> and just one little tip. If you are going to get the loose, um, I'd recommend steeping, steeping it in something very, with a very, very fine mesh, or even like with those little paper filters or something. Um, the little steeping, um, balls that, that like open in the middle, I think sometimes it just leaks out of that cause they're so tiny. Oh. So just try to do something that's a really, really fine fine mesh if you can. That's my tip as a tea person. <laughs> wow. You have all of the tea tips. Ah. Amazing. Um, what's funny is that I'm also going to suggest something that our listeners can sip on. Oh, fun. So yeah. <laughs> so this week um, I am suggesting sadly something that can't exactly be linked, but it's something that everybody in the States, at least, I don't know if they have these stores anywhere else in the world, if I'm honest, um, can easily go try. And that is the cold brew from 7-Eleven. So <laughs> I am a huge coffee fan, cold brew lover, iced coffee. I could drink it every single day, never get tired of it. But as anyone who's 
been, or as some, as anyone who has been out to a cafe in the last three years will know, it's ridiculously expensive to get a single iced coffee anywhere. And so of course I have tried to make iced coffee at home, but there's also just something about going out and getting a coffee and going to a bookstore. Yeah. Going to a bookstore afterwards. <laughs> that's like, that's like taking, like, if you think about what it does for a dog to take them on a walk, that's what it <laughs> going to get a coffee in a bookstore does for me. <laughs> um, so recently I found out that of all the places, 7-Eleven has fresh cold brew, like an actual little coffee bar with yeah. um, all kinds of creamers and syrups. And it's just it's something kind of crazy, like a dollar fifty, to get this huge iced coffee the size of my head, <laughs> and it's so good too. I, I'm not joking around. I've had a lot of cold brew and iced coffee in my day, and it's strong and it's smooth. And I'll just say I didn't miss Starbucks at all. So, I honestly don't know if every single Seven Eleven has this, but. It's worth taking a trip to your local 7-Eleven and checking it out if you too are an iced coffee lover and you're going to thank me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder and my new Substack at jessicajschroeder.substack.com. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week, sometimes about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.